It's go time. CFL Free Agent Frenzy has been upon us for the last couple of days, and welcome to the podcast, everyone. Don Charbon, along with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham. We are glad that you are along with us as we sort of digest and work our way through the uh, myriad of signings that have gone on in the last 48 hours. We're recording two days after opening of Free Agent Frenzy, and we have a lot to discuss but before we get into this, we should really give a big shout out to the uh, 3downnation.com. They kept us posted about everything that was going on. With over 50 free agent signings, I don't know how they kept up, but to uh, John Hodge, Justin Dunk, and the rest of the crew at 3Down Nation, well done. Okay, let's get going. Heath, where would you like to take us first? We're going to start on the West Coast with the British Columbia Lions. The Lions finished 5-9 and nine last year and fourth place in the West. They have made a bit of noise in trying to retool and reload for 2022. A couple of big names. They have taken defensive back Luches Pirafoy from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. An interesting one, they've got a Canadian quarterback duo. They have signed Michael O'Connor from Calgary and... Steven Richardson, defensive lineman from Winnipeg, are kind of the big keys. And one more that jumps out to me is all-star kicker Sean White from the Edmonton Elks to fix the holes in BC's kicking game from last season. Sean White was a stunner when I learned that the Elks had let him go. I'm glad that he's found a home. That is close to where he's from anyway, so British Columbia makes total sense. And of course, the two quarterbacks are both from BC, O'Connor and Rourke. Nathan Rourke, the incumbent, but they also picked up Isaac Harker out of Saskatchewan. So there's going to be a bit of competition in camp. There is. And when I mentioned Sean White, Jimmy Camacho and Takira Yamasaki had kind of abysmal seasons for BC last year. So we knew that was somewhere that they were going to look to improve. And and it looks like defense is the other focus for them. Delvin Bro is back from a one-year retirement and has left the Hamilton Tiger Cats to join BC as well. David Menard on the defensive line. The list goes on. It looks like it's a big focus on defense. They've picked up a couple of receivers as well. There was the rumor that Kenny Lawler was headed their way and they got outbid that we'll talk about a little bit further down the road. But they did go out and grab Daniel Peterman from Ottawa as an additional receiver here as well. Now, David Menard had been with the Lions before, so this was kind of coming home. But the big one, of course, was Delvin Bro, the all-star with the Tiger Cats. I'm personally in favor of him being in the Hall of Fame once that career is over. A lot of people in Hamilton describing it as a punch in the gut when they heard that he had gone to the Lions. You think about it, that's Bro, you've got Speedy B, Brandon Banks, and you've got one of your stellar quarterbacks, Jeremiah Mazzoli, all off the roster. And Jagarit Davis is another one that we will get to here as well. And David Menard, for context, you mentioned that he's returning to BC, played his first six seasons in the CFL with the Lions and the last season in Montreal. So it's kind of a return back to that West Coast for Menard. He seems to like the fit and like the atmosphere. 
blossomed in Montreal, becoming an all-star and a nominee for defensive player. So he has, I was a little bit surprised that maybe the Alouettes couldn't afford him, but he is going back to a team where he knows his way around. Uh, the Lions were strong on defense last year. They are getting stronger. I, I think this is definitely going to impact their team. I think they will be stronger on defense. I guess the one area I was surprised they didn't reach out a bit more was on offensive line. We talked last year about how that was a weakness and having some younger quarterbacks in the, the, the grouping of quarterbacks that they have, they're going to need to give those guys time. So um, I think they have overall improved their team. I think it's going to be great to see how they compete in the Western Division. The Lions are going to be better than 5-9 and nine in 2022. 500, maybe. One above that, maybe. It all depends really on their quarterback play. And if Nathan Rourke can build on what he showed us in 2021, watch out. The Lions could be uh, rattling a few cages. An offensive line, I think, is a target for a lot of teams, but there aren't a, a lot of all-star offensive linemen available either. We look at Winnipeg re-signing most of their guys. Saskatchewan's brought a lot of their starting offensive linemen back. A couple of the big names in Hamilton are returning to the Tiger Cats. So there's not a lot of pieces to add as far as CFL free agents to shore up your offensive line. But I bet you there's going to be some teams looking south of the border and looking at the CFL draft coming up to see if they've got some quality guys coming up. Let's just go a little further west. I'm going to start off with Calgary Stampeders. Here we've got a team that finished 8-6 and six last year, and we know John Huffnagel's history is not to be too active on free agents, and he certainly has come through with that once again. In fact, they've only signed one actual free agent, DJ Lalama. He's a linebacker coming from Montreal. You know, I think he's it's, it's a good ad, but he's a Canadian linebacker, not necessarily uh, going to change the world in their linebacking core, but they did all their work beforehand. I mean, they've got a lot of key keeps. We saw Huffnagel step out and he's re-signed his quarterbacks. He's re-signed some strong receivers. He got them, it looks like, at a bit of a discount when you look at what receivers went for across free agency. So good for Huffnagel to be able to do that. And he didn't have a lot of money. He's got Kareem Carey back as well. Uh, Derek Dennis, I guess, was a signing that, that came in. And then he also traded the rights of safety Royce Mechie across to Toronto for Canadian linebacker Cameron Judge. So, you know, there, there's a few changes, but really it looks like Calgary Stampeders are staying with the core that got them to the 8-6 and six record last year. A couple of big losses for them in free agents to see, though, would have to be Darnell Sankey, who led the league in tackles last year. Uh, receiver Herji Mayala is another big one. So there's... There's some some pieces moving out of Calgary right now as well. Their DBs are all back pretty well too. They've got a lot going for them. And one thing that you have to think about, Huffnagel's probably pretty satisfied with the roster that he had from 2021. They were getting stronger as the year went on. You don't need to change too, too much if you want to build on that. There will be some tinkering going on. There's going to be obviously players that they're going to bring in to test the waters. Yeah, and I think we've spoken a lot about how the Stampeders are an organization that really builds and, and produces new players and fits them into the slot. And, and I think we'll continue to see that. I do expect them to uh, be super competitive in the West Division. I think they should have an opportunity to move up into the top, I would say, second position at any rate, depending on how Saskatchewan and BC come along. With free agency, there's always 
kind of two ways it goes. It's if you're happy with your roster, you work really hard at retention. And if you're not happy with that, then you look at who you can pick up from where. And Calgary definitely seems to be one of those teams that's pretty happy with who they've got. They didn't make a big splash at th- and throw a lot of money at somebody coming in. And it's just a matter of filling the holes for the guys that are now moving back out of Calgary. The Hamilton Tiger Cats, the team that were in the Grey Cup last year but didn't win the game in overtime, were pretty quiet on free agent day one and two as well. The Tiger Cats made a few signings. They lost a few people. And overall, I think they kind of were middle of the ground in terms of what the impact was for them in the overall picture. Hamilton, biggest splash probably was bringing in Micah Johnson from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's going to shore up the middle. They've got Ted Laurent back, Dylan Wynn, Richie Leonard, who had played with the Ticats before and has come back from Calgary. Big hits for the Ticats, though, and they all seem to go to Ottawa. Jalen Acklin, Jackson Bennett, Darius Siracco on the offensive line, of course, quarterback Jeremiah Mazzoli, and uh, defensive lineman Lorenzo Malden, the fourth. All of these players went to Ottawa. The only thing that they're going to have to learn to do is remember that the secondary color is not gold, it's red. A lot of movement within the division. If you look at a couple of the other guys that moved away, from Hamilton as well. You've got a, a big name. One of the biggest names in free agency, I would say, is Jagarrett Davis has gone just down the road to the Toronto Argonauts. And defensive back uh, Tyrese Bavaret uh, has joined the Montreal Alouettes. So a lot of movement within the division, leaving Hamilton and shoring up some of those other teams. And you're right, Don, Ottawa definitely threw some money at these Hamilton Tiger Cats players. They liked what they saw all the times they played against them. And if you can't beat them, I guess pay them to join you. <laughs> I think that defensive line is going to continue to be a great strength. I think the ad, as you mentioned, Don, of Micah Johnson is there. But but one that's underrated, I think, is J.R. Tavai. Today, Derek Dennis tweeted out that, that he's one of the best bull rushers in the league that he's had the chance to go against. So, I mean, that that's another pickup. So I think that line will continue to, even with the loss of Jagera Davis, produce like they have in the past. Toronto signing Jagera Davis. The Argonauts, unlike last year, where it seemed like they were signing anybody that could walk, this year were pretty quiet. Only six signings to this point. Deshaun Amos, probably another big name that they picked up on the defensive side, but the one that I'm sure in the province to the east of us that has gotten everyone shaking their heads, Andrew Harris, changes one shade of blue for another heading east to the Argonauts. There was a lot of conjecture as to whether or not the Bombers were going to re-sign Harris. What was the stumbling block? Very quickly, Pinball Clemens went after him and got him in Toronto's double blue. They did. I read something earlier today that said that Andrew Harris is the second oldest running back in professional football in North America right now behind only Adrian Peterson, who NFL teams keep kind of dragging back up age. And his injuries of the 2021 season had a lot to do with Winnipeg's direction at running back we know they had a couple of other Canadian running backs that they were pretty high on that are a lot younger and a lot less expensive so it was a big jump and and he will certainly be missed in Winnipeg but I believe a lot of the fans his teammates and the media all seem to understand what the condition was that led to him leaving Winnipeg 
And fortunately for him and for the city, he's leaving with two championship rings behind him. And unfortunately, the one caveat is that the Argonauts do not play in Winnipeg in the 2022 season. So he's probably not going to get that proper return for the accolades in Winnipeg that he was hoping to get. But all the best to him in, in Toronto. It's a big jump for him. And hopefully there's a bit of life left in those 35-year-old legs come season kickoff. It will be interesting to see how Harris does behind the Toronto offensive line. I mean, I think that they're, it's an interesting combination with DJ Foster. will bring a, a totally different look than Andrew Harris, who's more of that bull down the middle. We saw Winnipeg do some load management with, with Harris, and I'm, I'm wondering how much if that will continue with Toronto, given his age, do you want to save him more for the playoffs when he's always had a, a big impact? He might become the short yardage back, if you're thinking along those terms. The The offensive line for the Ar- uh, Argonauts has been re-signed. We know that, at least for the interim, that McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to be the quarterback. Most of the pieces on the receiving core are back. The only big change really is... Harris and I'm curious to see how many receptions he does get this year. It was a stat that fell off drastically for him in 2021. He only had something like seven receptions out of the backfield in this past season, whereas years before he was almost a thousand yard receiving threat as long as well as a thousand yard rusher. With somebody like McLeod Bethel Thompson, he might be looking at that option out of the backfield a little bit more. And I believe that a lot of Andrew Harris's value still comes in his ability to pick up that extra blitzing player from from the defense. His blocking prowess is second to none in the CFL for running backs right now, and that's a huge asset for Toronto. The Argonauts are becoming the Stampeders East, given the amount of Stampeder Red content that they have. Coaching staff, a lot of Calgary influence over it. Can you blame them? The Stampeders have been the best team in football for the last 15 years of the receiving core. You got Winton McManus, who used to play for the Stampeders that came over. Justin Lawrence, who was an offensive lineman with the Stampeders. They also have, via trade, Royce Mechie, who came in for Cameron Judge, who got shipped out to Calgary. So there's another defender that they've picked up that is going to help them out and that Canadian ratio isn't going to be impacted. The interesting thing is the Argos were 9-5 and five last year. They made the East final. We're, we're kind of talking about them like they had to retool somehow, and yet they'd have played a better second half in the East final. They'd have been in the Grey Cup, not the Ticats. The Toronto Argonauts have really embraced this Calgary East as well. They tweeted out today that they have also signed Quick Six, who is the Calgary Stampeders horse mascot. So they are fully aware of the talk of how many Stampeders they have recruited in free agency. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. One of the biggest movers and shakers so far in this free agency window is the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we talk about a team that definitely wants to make some improvements and reshape the the look of that team. Ottawa has been busy with 15 signings already, and I'm sure more on the way. The receiving core is getting a bit of an upgrade. They are losing a couple of guys uh, through free agency, but they have picked up Jalen Acklin from Hamilton, who I think is a great pickup for them. 
Darvin Adams from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Jeremiah Mazzoli obviously was the biggest name early on in free agency being released by the Tiger Cats. And they're also looking to retool that offensive line. They picked up some key pieces there as well. It's a reshape. I'm sure Paul Apolis and Sean Burke have been working hard getting a list of players they wanted to go after. And it certainly looks like they had some salary cap room as well because they're they're throwing some money around and picking up just about everybody that they can get a contract in front of. One that was tweeted out earlier was that Alden Darby from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defensive back has signed as well. There's some speculation that maybe that's not a done deal at this point and he is rethinking things. So we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of days. Ottawa is one of the most active teams in free agency and I, I mean there's a reason why. Last year they weren't very successful and I think they've done a lot to step up and, and become a team that should be able to compete in that Eastern Division. Ottawa finished the season with three wins. Of course, two of those came over the Elks. 15 signings. If That's almost, if you think of a starting roster of 24 players, that's half of your starting roster turned over. They did sign some of their key people from last year. They still hope to get Antoine Pruneau signed. This is Sean Burke saying, okay, I know who I liked from Hamilton. I'm bringing them over with me. The rest of it we're going to figure out, and this team is going to turn it around. One of their strengths last year was in their defensive backfield, and they, they re-signed a couple of guys, Randall Evans and uh, and Kelly, but they've also now added Patrick Levels and Money Hunter. So they're looking to improve that defense even more, and they're well on their way. William Powell, running back from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, is another key pickup. Uh, he's a three-time 1,000-yard running back two of those seasons with the Ottawa Red Blacks previously and a career 5.3 yards per carry. So that's another area that they are looking to shore up. And William Powell certainly brings some of that veteran presence and ability in that backfield. Well, they lost a, a great, great offensive lineman in, in Mark Corte. I think they've done a good job of picking up offensive linemen to try to solidify that unit as well. And with Powell, as you mentioned, behind there, I think this could be an area of strength for them where it was a weakness, I thought, last year. Well, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers finishing 11-3 last year, they didn't have much to do. Uh, Kyle Walters kept all of his key pieces that he was able to in place. That's not to say they haven't had some significant losses. Overall, they've had lost eight starters from last year, so there is going to be some impacts. We spoke about Andrew Harris previously. I think Stephen Richardson, who is an outstanding defensive tackle, is also going to be a big loss. He's a very coveted young player, 25 years old, could have brought a lot in. The receivers, well, we know what Lawler brought to the team last year, and Darvin Adams is another loss, but I, I think they've done a good job by stepping out in their one free agent signing and getting a receiver in Greg Ellingson. He's had, at one point, five consecutive 1,000-yard seasons on his resume, during the shortened 21 season, he had 687 yards, one touchdown, and that was in 10 games played. So I, I think he's still a marquee receiver in this league, and I think it was good of Kyle Walters, the GM, to get him as their one ad. Really, Kyle Walters had done a lot of work, which we've mentioned numerous times before on this podcast, in bringing back his key pieces. He's got Zach Caleros. He's got a strong offensive line. He's brought the core of the defensive line. He's chosen to go with Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine as their running backs. Then he's brought back Mike Miller and fullback. So we know the defense is strong. There's a lot of real positives in what brought back. And Kyle Walters didn't have a lot to do on this one. One area where I do believe he may have some work to do is now that we're hearing Sean McGuire has retired, uh, who will be their backup quarterback. It sounds like Greg Ellingson had some interest from a lot of teams in the CFL, and he spoke very, very highly of 
Kyle Walters and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers staff and players in how many of them reached out to him to encourage him to come join the Blue Bombers. It wasn't a matter of Walters throwing a number towards Ellingson's agent and saying, this is what we're prepared to pay. They really made a pitch for him and made him feel wanted. And a lot of what I've read and seen from the departing Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well is they speak really highly of the organization. Kenny Lawler priced himself out of Winnipeg. There was a bidding war for his services and there was no way with bringing everybody else back that they were going to be able to retain him. I think Greg Ellingson is a great pickup as far as a, a possession receiver with great hands and the capability of getting you a thousand yards. He's going to jump in there very nicely. Winnipeg, when you're on top, what do you do? It's sometimes it's the worst place to be when it comes to figuring out what you want to do in free agency because you've got what you need to get you there. What else is it going to take to keep you there? I'm looking for some fresh new names in that defensive secondary for Winnipeg as well. They've had a couple of guys. One has gone to the NFL and they've lost now Mike Jones and possibly Alden Darby. We'll wait to see how that all kind of shakes out. But they had a couple of all-star first-year defensive backs last year and they're going to need a repeat of that to keep that defense as strong as it was. Yeah, and, and while we say they, they've kept a lot of people, we have to look at eight starters have moved on. So it's an opportunity for someone else to step up. And I think, you know, every team's going to have some holes that they need to fill with rookies. And, and if Winnipeg can do it as successfully as they have the last little while, I think they'll continue to be a force in the West. I'm curious how the offense is going to work out, though, because Lawler is gone. They don't have Andrew Harris anymore. Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira. They've got Dembski still. I'm just curious. There isn't a receiver, and we've kind of talked about this in the past. There isn't a lot of receivers on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roster that scares you, but they just consistently catch the ball and move the chains. I think Rashid Bailey is going to be the breakout receiver on the Blue Bombers this coming season. And you've already got, as we mentioned, Greg Ellingson. You've got Nick Dembski, Drew Olatarski back in the fold as well. So they, they've got some, some pieces that they feel comfortable in. They've got Kelvin McKnight, who had a couple of starts last season and, and was kind of a backup wide receiver. They seem to be pretty high on him. He'll bring some new energy to that receiving core as well. I don't see a lot of guys having 150-yard receiving games, but if everybody gets the ball a few times and they've all got 60 or 70 yards, that has been successful for Winnipeg in the past, and that seems to be their model. And if you can consistently run for 100 to 150 yards, which we've seen in the past, you know, a strong offensive line to, to mix things up, it's going to open up the receiving game. They may not have that deep threat that you talk about, but as long as they've got some people that can get the ball and catch the ball, I think they will be fine. I really do believe that this is where they're going to miss Harris. He was the guy that picked up the blitzes. He knew when the line was overloaded where he had to be. 100%. He just, he had such a football IQ that was just through the roof. And now Toronto's got that. I do hope the Blue Bombers look at running both of these running backs with some different schemes. Brady Oliveira seems to fit the mold of Andrew Harris as far as a straight up the gut, hit the line hard kind of running back. And Johnny Augustine seems to be a bit more flash, a bit more willing to go to the outside. So if they can find a way to work both of these guys into the offense, it's going to move the ball for them. You're absolutely right. They are 100% going to miss Andrew Harris's blocking abilities, I believe, more than anything else. But if these guys can pick up the blitzes and, and learn to be a good blocking back, they certainly have the talent to run the ball. With some experience, I think that will also come. Both of these guys got in the game, certainly Oliveira more than Augustine, but, but I think with experience, hopefully they can develop into the 
at least an adequate pass rusher. I don't think anyone can quite step up to what Andrew Harris was. I think he's the best blocking running back in the league. Alouettes re-signing Trevor Harris. The first quarterback to be out in free agency is also the last quarterback to be signed in free agency. Alouettes were fairly quiet. They picked up Tyrese Beverett from the uh, Tiger Cats. They also got Frederick Chagnon from Ottawa, Avery Ellis from Ottawa, Urge Mayala from Calgary, and they did pick up Mike Jones from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That Again, that helps that secondary that was picked over a little bit. Big losses for them, Patrick Levels, David Menard, Mondrashik Hunter, Woody Barron, all defenders that moved on. The Alouettes' defense was meh last year. They needed to improve. They they showed some improvement on the in the line play when they made a switch for defensive line coach. The secondary play has got to be elevated to keep up. Offensively, they've got everybody. They've got the, the everybody back together. Weineke has finally signed. They've got William Stamback has come back. You mentioned the defensive secondary, and it's essentially at this point it looks like they're kind of trading the loss of Money Hunter with the gain of Mike Jones. Other than that, they they do have some holes to fill, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at some more defensive backs. It might be a similar situation to Winnipeg, where they're looking at bringing some fresh new talent in in that secondary as well. Dominic Davis is now in the Montreal fold, and that's going to be interesting because you've got technically three quarterbacks that have started in this league on that roster. I wonder if one of those could potentially be used as trade option once they go through training camp to see who they have in terms of their starters if they're able to bring in some young quarterback then you could potentially put either Harris or Dominic Davis onto a potential trade to fill a need like defensive back. I was surprised that Harris got picked up by the Alouettes. Not sure what the reasoning was. They've already got Vernon Adams Jr. who's their anointed number one. Were they scared that maybe he could get injured again and this was the reason? And I imagine that Trevor Harris must have come at a huge discount. I'm thinking he must have as well. I guess the other thing is how confident were they in Dominic Davis continuing to grow and develop? Was it the fact that Harris didn't go and his his value came down to a point where they felt they could bid on him? That's a very good point. It it could very well be. I would be very surprised as well if they have if they end up with three of these guys by the time training camp opens or even that that first exhibition game. I, I don't know how you keep all three of those guys around. And, and we all know they can only dress two at this point on game day anyway. So somebody's... We don't know if that's going to be tweaked. <laughs> that's very true. I, I couldn't imagine having three quarterbacks who have all had starts in the CFL on your roster at this point in time. I wish there was a little bit more transparency in some of these contracts. They've talked about that a little bit more as well in letting people know what a lot of these contracts are. We see a few of them leaked here and there, but how how do you afford all three of these quarterbacks in that system? I can't imagine Dom Davis is a highly paid quarterback at this point. Trevor Harris is nowhere near making the same money he was in previous seasons. He obviously liked what he saw in Montreal when he was there for that short time at the end of 2021, and he's willing to give it another go. As a GM, you want to put the people that give you the best opportunity to win, and we saw... Adams go down in the course of the season. And the question is, okay, of the two that are competing for the backup position at this point, which one gives you the best opportunity to win? If Harris's arm strength can be rebuilt this year, because that was one of the big questions we had last year. When he's on a roll, he can be extremely accurate. So they don't lose much when Adams is out, if he happens to be out. I think you go Adams as your starter. 
whoever gets in second will be your backup. Make it a three quarterback deep roster, and then we don't have to worry about which quarterback is going to be cut. But right now, yeah, one of the three is not going to be there come opening day. The other thing too that the uh, I've got to get mentioned too is that Amon Sewell has upped with the Alouettes. Big, big, big cog in that defense. Literally. They have to be better on defense. They, they can't always win games 32 to 30. Get some strength in that defensive backfield, especially, to shut down some teams. Vernon Adams Jr. won't be chasing all the time and trying to make the big play and, and might help the offense out. Speaking of defense, let's move on to the Edmonton Elks and their new GM, Chris Jones, who is certainly known for his defense, is currently putting a stamp on the Elks team and organization. Well, he has uh, pulled back a number of veterans, including some we had some questions about, Manny Arsenault and Darius Bowman. Uh, he's, he's continued to bring back some veterans from across the league and often has paid very big dollars to get them there. We can take a look at Lawler and Mark Corte, both becoming the highest paid receiver and the highest paid offensive lineman in the league at this point. And so we're going to see if this strategy works for Jones as he tries to reestablish the Elks. And there's a lot to improve on it. The Elks last year finished 3-11 and and uh, some of the key free agent signings they've had include Dion Lacey, who is a linebacker who's come back to them after a season with the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's played with Chris Jones before for three seasons prior to having NFL stints uh, with both the Bills and the Dolphins. So he's going to be a key on their defense. As we mentioned before, Kenny Lawler, uh, he did lead the league with over a thousand yards receiving last year. He's only played two seasons, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep that up. He's also brought in some veteran defensive players, people like Ed Ganey, Makana Henry, as well as some other national linebackers that are going to be keys on the special team, people like Adam Konar and Nikos Onyeka. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, with this idea of bringing in a mix of veterans and potentially bringing in a bunch of new signings to compete for jobs. Some of the key losses that Edmonton has had include their linebacker, Derek Moncrief, who went to the Riders. I think a big hole on the defensive line is left when you bring a national player like Kweko Boateng, who's left for the Red Blacks. And uh, the other one that we mentioned earlier is the kicker, Sean White. Edmonton now has been left without a kicker. And they've dropped their punter earlier as well. So they might be looking for the CFL draft to fill that hole. Kweku Boateng was a stunner when I read the tweet that he was probably not going to be back with the Elks. Because as you mentioned, Pat, he is a national. He's a ratio breaker. The Elks are going to be a vastly different team. And I, I read something from Terry Jones that I thought was pretty funny. He said, we may not know much about what's going to happen with this team, but we can assure, be assured of one thing. They will win a home game in 2022. I'm hoping that's the case for them. <laughs> well, you, you do wonder. So are our friends at the Turf District, and I hope for their sake that they get to witness a, a home victory this year as well. You know, even if they can get two more wins with the change in roster, Chris Jones is going to take this as a rebuilding year. He may find some of those diamonds in the rough, convert the odd tight end to a defensive <laughs> rush end. And, uh, you know, he, he loves to find athletes. And while he has brought a lot of free agents in to Edmonton, the chances are he's going to find some players that are going to be able to add on to this team and help them to compete as well. Chris Jones seems to really like that familiarity. We talked about players that follow him from team to team, and we're seeing that a little bit, even though kind of a season removed, but a, a few of those Saskatchewan Rough Riders that he coached are now following him to Edmonton. And 
that loyalty, it'd be interesting to see more of Chris Jones in that locker room and in those team meetings because he comes across sometimes to the media as a little bit aloof, a little bit of a different cat, but the players seem to love to play for him. And he's definitely not afraid to make cuts as he sees fit. If he doesn't think somebody is the right player, they're gone and he brings the next guy in. But the ones that he really likes seem to really like playing for him and will seem to follow him anywhere. Ed Gainey was a bit of a stunner that the Riders didn't offer him a contract. The Elks were very quick to come calling. Let's move to those Rough Riders. They host the Grey Cup in 2022. They do, and having lost in the West Division final last year, they seem to be pretty happy with a lot of pieces they have, but I believe the biggest challenge for them right now is to refill some of those holes left in their defense by guys that have gone to Edmonton or Micah Johnson has gone on to the Tiger Cats as well. So that seems to be the biggest need for them. One thing that won't be a problem for the Rough Riders this year seems to be that linebacker core. They've loaded up. They they have added Derek Moncrief, uh, league-leading tackle, Darnell Sankey. They also re-signed Larry Dean, who missed last season due to an Achilles injury three standout linebackers that they've got on that roster here already. So They've also got Micah Tights signed, played very the well. guy that stood in and played very well last year. Yeah, that's a strong linebacking core. So I think their biggest holes right now are probably going to be looking at replacing McKenna Henry and Micah Johnson on that defensive line. And Luches Purifoy was a huge leader on that defense in the backfield as well. So that And Ed Ganey, as we mentioned, linebackers are solid. We'll see what happens with defensive backs and that defensive line. Uh, they've brought back most of their offensive linemen. We know that was a bit of a struggle last year, but one more year working together might build a, a more solid offensive line to protect Cody Fajardo. Another hole right now seems to be at running back, losing William Powell to free agency. So we'll kind of, we'll see what options are out there for them and, and the running back of the future for the Riders. You, you do wonder if it's going to be Jamal Morrill. Um... You know, he certainly has played a great role in their return game. He should be an exciting running back, but he certainly is lacking experience in that position as well. As we mentioned earlier, Isaac Harker, the backup quarterback, is on his way out here as well. We know it's Cody Fajardo's team as far as running the offense goes, but you've got to make sure that you've got somebody capable in behind him. And losing somebody like Harker might be a tough hole, but they do have another fairly... A, a fair quality looking backup quarterback at this point. As They've well. got a pretty strong receiving core. Dakeel Williams signing at that time was 260, and everyone thought, wow, that's a huge number. Well, Edmonton outdid that with Lawler at 300 large. The Rough Riders have Moore, they have Evans, they've got. Uh, Schaefer Baker, Mitchell Picton, you can go on and on and on. They've got a very solid receiving core. I mentioned right off the top that this team has the Grey Cup. Well, you saw what it did to the Hamilton Tiger Cats last year, how important and how significant that was. Heath alluded to the fact that 2013 turned out to be a very bonus year for the Rough Riders when they hosted and won. That's sort of the goal. Jeremy O'Day is well aware of this. But he doesn't want to be caught up in the trappings of this. He realized that there's a day after the Grey Cup too, and he's got to keep building for that as well. Yeah, I was very surprised that they were able to get Duke Williams and Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans all back as free agents. Uh, great job 
by that front office team because once they got Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans back, you kind of thought, well, maybe Duke Williams is going to be out. Maybe they won't be able to afford him. And they found a lot of money to throw Duke Williams away. And as you said, for a couple of days, he was the highest paid receiver in the league until Edmonton and BC got into that Kenny Lawler bidding war. And wow, have wide receiver salaries ever increased in the last couple of weeks. Nine defensive linemen are are rostered with the Rough Riders at this moment. They must be feeling that some of those defensive linemen are going to be able to step in for someone like Micah Johnson to let him walk. They've got to have some confidence because that was one of their strengths, the interior of their line last year. Micah Johnson uh, is, in my opinion, a big loss for them. Another big loss is Jonathan Woodard was, was released to pursue some NFL interests as well. And that's another key hole on that defensive line. He has signed, I believe, with the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. So another success story for a a CFL player going south of the border and signing a contract. We've seen a lot of that already this year. And I feel like the league needs to really celebrate that. It's it's sad to see some of these guys go, but to get the opportunity to play in the biggest football league in the world is something that, that we need to be proud of as a league that we have helped this guy develop and move on to that. So all the best to Jonathan Woodard in his NFL career. I hope it works out well for him and a big loss for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's the price of doing business in the Canadian Football League. The dollars just aren't there. Each year, there are a group of talented people that wind up going to the NFL. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.